0: You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me, Jimmy Stein. Well, that's normally him, but today I hit an upgrade. I I think it's an upgrade. I think you'll think it's an upgrade. One, Brian Passink, the color commentator for Alabama basketball, is going to join me today because, you know, there's been a lot of positive basketball stuff out there, and uh, it's time that some of you helmet heads got with the program and started talking a little hoops. Brian, how are you today, bud?
1: Doing great, Luke. Appreciate you having me on.
0: Thank you so much for the the last-minute acceptance of my invite. And, uh, yeah, look, things are looking pretty good for the program right now. I I mean, AP poll-wise, everybody's preseason poll to some degree has Alabama, I would say, no less than the top 15. Um, Yes, there's been a few injury issues, but overall things are pretty positive down there in Tuscaloosa right now, right?
1: No doubt about it. A a ton of excitement about how the the season went last year. It even ended, even though it was disappointing to – lose to UCLA, I mean, you end up with a couple of championships, winning the SEC regular season, the SEC tournament, uh, making it to the Sweet 16. Uh, in every category, an amazing year for Alabama basketball. And then when you factor in all the talent that returns, even though you lost some some key pieces, you've got a ton of talent returning. You've got a great uh, high-profile recruiting class coming in. Uh, you've got some transfers, and it, it all makes – for what should hopefully be another great season for Alabama basketball.
0: So I know you can't go into it much, and that's why I'm going to spend just the last little bit of this this segment on recruiting. I, I know that it's like a sticky wicket just whenever uh, to have anybody associated with the program talk about uh, the potential signees. But is it safe to say – that uh, everybody's pretty excited uh, about this upcoming class. I mean, the last class was very nice, too. In fact, the last couple of classes have been incredible. Um, and this staff has shown the ability to find some dudes that maybe aren't as highly regarded but are certainly fit the system well, like a, a Keon Ellis. But this next class looks like it could potentially be Ba Bama's best class ever if, if everything falls into place like it looks like it will.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're talking about, um, you know, the excitement around the program from the fans, and that is certainly true. And I think there's an excitement level, and maybe more importantly, from recruits. And the best high school basketball players around the country have recognized, and they're paying attention to what Nate Oates and his staff are doing in Tuscaloosa. And it's one thing when these coaches come into your homes and over, you know, lately over the last year, whether it's Zoom or phone calls and and talk about style of play and, and how these guys, uh, some of the, the top players in the country, will fit into this system. But it's another thing to uh, win championships and and finish top five in the country. And in when you dig deeper into the statistics and you see uh, that there are a lot of people around the country that talk about style of play and talk about playing fast and talk about um, playing like an NBA team. Well, Nate Oats has, has the, the analytics and the stats to back it up. This is one of the, uh, the fastest teams uh, year in and year out uh, in Alabama basketball. His team's play like that at Buffalo. So it's not just talking. It's funny. You, you listen to coaches around the country and everybody talks to talk. Uh, very few walk the walk. Nate Oates does both and recruits are excited about it. And you can see with the success of guys like uh, Kyra Lewis, Herb Jones, uh, Colin Sexton, even though he didn't play for NATOs, um, there, there is a buzz around Alabama basketball and what this program can do for you in terms of making it to the next level. I think a guy like Josh Primo, who came in, is is a high-profile recruit, but I don't think anybody expected him to be one and done and go into the lottery. Uh, for him to do that and develop the way he did playing in this system, uh, what these coaches do for recruits and players and current players in the offseason to develop them into and, and the types of players that they want to be, uh, I think has gone a long way into signing guys like J.D. Davison, the number one point guard in the country, could have gone anywhere. Uh, but when you look at what Kyra did, what Josh Primo did last year, and several others, uh, you're able. Sign guys that maybe in years past you wouldn't be able to and the same can be said uh, for this year's recruiting class uh, it looks like it could be a, another one of the best classes in school history so the momentum is there the excitement is there and uh, we're about to tip it off in just about a week so uh, very excited to see what this team can do this season
0: yeah and there's something different about recruiting, uh, and I know you can't say the name, but I will: a Noah Clowney from Roebuck, South Carolina, or a Ryland Griffin from um, Texas, and, or even a Josh Primo from Canada, uh, Jarris Walker from IMG Academy. It's something different about recruiting those dudes than recruiting a J.D. Davison, who is from, you know, a small town in Alabama, probably you know dreamed all his life of, of playing at the University of Alabama. I'm not trying to discount j d Davison I think he's wonderful. I've called him several times but, I, but my point is to to take Alabama on the national recruiting scale is at almost international um is just a feat that doesn't need to be discounted
1: yeah international we're 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 huge in north America right now <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and even france. Uh, with Alex Chiku, so definitely national, international, and listen when when you have that success that Alabama's had on the court and uh, in, in terms of winning and developing players, you get uh, the best of the best attention. And when you look at guys like Nate Oates, Brian Hodgson, uh, who you know is from the Northeast and uh, has connections in Canada uh, and and in different parts of the country. Uh, And and Antoine Pettway is known as one of the best assistant coaches in the country. Uh, He is an excellent, one of the top recruiters, but a a, a tremendous assistant coach. You've got Charlie Henry, uh, who's spent time as an NBA G league head coach. Uh, So, you know, that, that is important when you bring in players and talk about development and what it takes to get to the next level. Uh, So you, With Alabama, and and really, you know, you look around the SEC and recruiting has ramped up. It's always been elite at Kentucky. But uh, you see what other schools around the SEC are doing. And with the SEC Network, the national television coverage, uh, the competitive basketball, uh, one of the best uh, basketball conferences in the country uh, in terms of facilities, um, national exposure, all the things that players want. Uh, when they go to college, they get in the SEC. And right now, Alabama's the defending SEC champs uh, with a ton of momentum. So they're getting the the attention of a lot of players around the country. And uh, hopefully, uh, the buzz and the momentum will continue.
0: Brian, let me tell everybody about PrizePix. PrizePicks.com or their award-winning app. You can go check it out anywhere you get your apps. Uh, it's a leader in college sports, daily fantasy. Look, if you want to take – uh, how many points J.D. Davison will have against La Tech next Tuesday, you can do that and combine it with the uh, under on the points LeBron James will have for the Lakers that same night. That's, that's what makes it cool. It's a daily fantasy sports uh, site. It's a lot of fun. Prize Picks offers more college football props and college basketball props than anyone in the world. Offers all the star players of the Power Five as well as the mid majors you might not even heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns to rebounds to interceptions thrown to points, all that stuff. All of our users that deposit and use our promo code locked on will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You pick two to five players. And an over under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. It's a ton of fun. Go check it out. Prize Picks, award winning app, or just go to prizepicks.com and sign up. Use promo code locked on to get that 100% match up to $100. You will love this. Also, check out betonline.ag. Betonline.ag. If you want to take Bama against Live Tech next Tuesday, you can do that. You can bet on the over under. They'll have a lot of prop bets too at betonline.ag. You can bet on college basketball, college basketball futures, college football, college football futures, the Heisman Trophy race, whatever you want to take, the NFL, Major League Baseball. It may be over by then, but you know what I mean. You can also play poker. You can play blackjack. You can play roulette. You can do all these fun things. You can bet on reality TV. So if you're into what some unsavory skank is, is, is on housewives doing whatever, you can bet on her somehow. I don't know how. I haven't done that, but you can. That's what's important. You might like reality TV. I'm not a huge fan, but you might be. So go check it out at BetOnline.ag. You'll love it. Use promo code Locked On. You'll get a hundred percent welcome bonus. So if you put in two hundred bucks, you get to play with four hundred bucks. That's free money from me to you. And uh, Jimmy's involved in there mildly, but uh, go check it out. BetOnline.ag. All right, Brian, you know, my favorite thing uh, since you and I have known each other is always, and you've been involved with Alabama as the play-by-play guy, or you started out on the sidelines. I mean, you worked your way up the ladder. You did. I'll give you props. Um, My favorite thing to always ask you has been uh, the schedule, right? I mean, I start asking you about the schedule for next year as soon as the current year is over. And um, I've always been kind of disappointed in it. It's always... Always let me down. Even when we had things like we were supposed to be in the battle for Atlantis, we we reneged on that. When we were supposed to be in the Maui Invitational, we played it in North Carolina or something. You know, there's always been something screwy. Well, this year, this is the most amazing schedule I think I've ever seen Alabama have. It's it's awesome.
1: Well, it's I'll tell you if it's awesome um, in like mid December because <laughs> right now. <laughs> It's really, really tough, and I think it's harder than uh, than when it was. Well, it is harder than when it was set up because you you decided to play a home and home with Houston and Memphis a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, and this was a Memphis team that was kind of a good team, um, and and I think a what could be a, a good kind of rivalry with the the proximity to Memphis and Penny – Part away you know, there's there's a lot of good reasons to play Memphis, but now all of a sudden they're in people's top ten uh, in some cases. And this was a team that won the NIT championship a year ago, and and now, you know, some have picked them as a dark horse Final Four team. Uh, so that, that Memphis game all of a sudden is a little more difficult than it was when you <clears throat> signed the home-and-home home contract a few years ago. Same could be said with Houston, a team that's coming off of a Final Four uh, that – uh, they could go back again this year. They're they're top 10 or 12 in the country. And then obviously, uh, number one, Gonzaga, you look at the potential of playing Kansas and maybe even a, a Belmont who's in some of the top 25s around the country in the preseason. Um, you know, the, it, it is a, a very difficult uh, schedule. And then the teams that, that really don't get the headlines, like Louisiana Tech to open the season coming up uh, next week, Louisiana Tech, along with UAB's pick to finish one and two in Conference USA, and is definitely a team that's capable of beating high-major teams like Alabama. So uh, this schedule is uh, is very difficult. I counted 17 uh, teams that are either in the preseason top 25 in the AP or receiving votes. Uh, that are on Alabama's schedule uh, when you 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 add in the, the SEC teams, some of which you play twice, but 17 games against teams that are either in the top 25 or receiving votes—that That has got to be an all-time record for Alabama basketball. So assuming this team can play well, stay healthy, uh, you'll be glad you played a difficult schedule like that. But right now, uh, Alabama has their work cut out for them no doubt, and I think it's got the attention of these players. They're working very hard uh, in the preseason getting ready for what could be the most difficult schedule in Alabama basketball history.
0: Yeah, I think theoretically, looking at the schedule now, you could see Alabama play, if all things fall correct, in, in the tournament. Kansas, then at Gonzaga, Houston at home, then at Memphis. It Those four games in a row. In a row. I mean, yeah. It's crazy, That's, and then yeah.
1: and then you know a week later you're playing Colorado State in Birmingham. Colorado State is a potential top twenty-five team. I mean, we you know with those other schools, you 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 know again th- those are headline type games around the country. I mean, people are going to be tuning in around co- that love college basketball, even that don't. They just you know that it's going to be a, a high-profile game with Alabama going to Seattle. Uh, to play Gonzaga. And the other games you've mentioned are high-profile games. Uh, Colorado State hopefully will be either a sellout or close to it in the renovated Legacy Arena in Birmingham. Uh, That's going to be a big game. So up and down this this schedule, as you mentioned, uh, you're a schedule-loving guy. uh, And this one is definitely uh, one that uh, is going to be interesting, to say the least. But when you go back to last year, I think a very difficult non-conference schedule is one of the reasons why Alabama won the regular season SEC. Uh, you look at someone like Arkansas, who played a cream puff of a non-conference schedule. It took them a couple weeks, maybe three weeks, to really get in uh, to the flow of things once they hit conference play. They just weren't prepared uh, for the rigors of the SEC with the non-conference schedule that they played. Alabama obviously battled, tested, got off to a great start, ended up winning the SEC regular season. And I think a big part of that uh, was Nate Oates' scheduling philosophy, and he's increased that this year. So it's going to be a tough schedule, uh, but I know these guys are, are competitors and they're excited uh, to play one of the toughest, if not the very toughest schedule in college basketball.
0: All right, one more segment with Brian Passant coming up after this. All right, Brian, I want to start asking about a couple of the players. Um, obviously, there was a exhibition game against Louisiana the other day. I assume you were there?
1: I was. We didn't do it on the radio, but uh was in attendance. And it, it was, you know, a, a game against Louisiana, uh, who, who is a rock-solid team out of the Sun Belt, one of the better teams in the Sun Belt. Uh, and after – uh, this team in Alabama played Georgia Tech in the the uh, I guess they're calling them the not so secret scrimmages. Alabama apparently won that game, but uh, you know, nobody was allowed to to really be in attendance other than uh the players, coaches, managers, uh support staff, that sort of thing. But uh this Louisiana team, you, you knew it was going to be a, a a team that was going to challenge you, which is why you schedule an exhibition game like that. I mean, obviously you want to win anytime they keep score. It wouldn't have counted. Uh, It didn't count uh, in terms of win-loss record. Uh, But it was a team that that is a a very solid team. And, um, you know, just from what I know about Louisiana, from what I know about Georgia Tech, um, I'm not so sure that Louisiana isn't the better team uh, in Alabama's two exhibition games.
0: Uh, Okay, let's go to Alex Chiku here for a second. I mean, you, you brought him up he is one of the more intriguing players on this team. Somebody, everybody uh, likes, everybody thinks has a world of potential. We've all seen some various highlight videos from him on Twitter, et cetera, but what's going on with him and will he get to play a lot this year? Yeah, I think he'll
1: get a chance. Um, and, you know, really, I, I don't think it's necessarily about Alex Chiku. He, he, is coming off of a a very difficult entry uh, where he he wasn't really able to participate in anything uh, for a full year, uh, tearing his Achilles early in the season last year. So uh, that'll put you a little bit behind. Um, But the good thing is uh, Alabama has guys like Charles Bediaco, five-star recruit, legit seven-footer who can do a lot of things, and I thought played well in the exhibition game, and Kiamit, Keon Ambrose Hilton has really improved. Had a few moments last year uh, as a freshman. Didn't get a ton of playing time, but but those two guys, um, you know, I, I think right now, at least as it goes right now, from what I've seen in the exhibition game, from what I've seen in practice, would would be your options uh, at the five spot at the center position. And and really, this team has a lot of guys that that are can can play a lot of different positions. I mean, you've got Juan Gary, who's, who, who can play inside. Uh, you've got Noel Gurley at six, eight, who can step out, play the, the four or the five, depending on how you want to play. Uh, and even though you lost Namari Burnett, uh, the transfer from Texas Tech to a knee injury, and uh, he'll be out uh, this entire season, be ready to go next season, you still have depth at guard. Uh, so, you know, a guy like Alex Tiku could work his way uh, into the rotation, but uh, just for all the reasons I mentioned, he's, he's not there just yet.
0: J.D. Davison, I brought him up. I, I absolutely love him. I I know some people can uh, nitpick his game to a degree, but it, he's just such a ball of energy, a, a human Red Bull. I, I think he's going to bring a real spark to the team. I don't think he's you know the best freshman in, in the country this particular year, but I think he's the best fit as a freshman for this particular team.
1: You know what I love about him, it, and that I didn't realize, and and I think a lot of that had to do with uh, the level of competition, and and maybe you know playing to a basketball. Uh, I saw this a little more in in his uh, his time at AAU, but he is an amazing passer. I mean, I, I was blown away by his ability to distribute the ball, his unselfishness as a five-star recruit, McDonald's All-American. Uh, some of those guys come in and, 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 you know, try to put the team on on their back from an offensive standpoint. And I, I think there's two reasons he doesn't have to do that. One is the players around him are really good, and he recognizes that. Uh, and Number two, he's just an unselfish player, can really, really pass the ball. So that's something that's been impressive. And also uh, late in the game, in the, in the scrimmage exhibition game against Louisiana, uh, he took over. Uh, he was able to get to the free throw line, went seven for seven, finished with 19 points, made key plays down the stretch with Javon Quinterly. Uh He was out of that game, so he had um, the, the the primary responsibility of playing the point guard position. I think they'll be able to do it by committee uh, when Quinterly, uh gets back on the court against Louisiana Tech, but J.D. Davison is, has been as good as advertised from what I can tell in the practices I've seen in the exhibition game. So uh there's a, a lot of excitement around him. Uh it, it's gonna be so much fun to watch uh he and, and JQ on the court together, two of the most exciting players in college basketball on the court together. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh this will be a great year to have the fans back packing Coleman Coliseum because this team was fun to watch last year, obviously. Uh I think they could be a little more fun to watch this year, and J.D. Davison has a, a, a big reason. Uh,
0: to do with that. Jaden uh, I'm hoping for him to have – boy, I hate to call it a bounce back year, but I, I felt like um, it wasn't a sophomore slump last year. He, he, you know, he led the team in scoring, if I remember right. But he, it was almost like I thought he had a little bit more. Uh, he could have had a little bit more last year. But I think he's going to have a, a big year this season. I, I think we all know what JQ is like. I, he's just a dude. Um, but I'm going to say this. The sleeper first team all SEC pick I have is Keon Ellis. Prove me wrong. Yeah, let me let
1: me go back and, and give you a hard time about your comments on Jaden Shackelford. You <laughs> want him to have a bounce back here. Um no, I didn't say I, I didn't say no, you, I said
0: bounce back, Luke, but I clarified it.
1: Yeah, but you kind of said it. So <laughs> I'm gonna give you a hard time. Hey, I'm your guest. Don't interrupt me, Luke. Uh, James Shackelford is the leading returning scorer in the entire SEC. He had an incredible season last year and I expect him to have another big season. So, uh, so I'm going to give you a hard time there. I will agree with you uh, on Keon Ellis. I, I think he is with everything I've seen in the preseason, the, the, the conference all league teams in the preseason around the country, uh, preseason, All-American stuff. You know, he he's not even being mentioned. And I, I think he's one of the best players and in, in one of the um, most underrated players, not just in the SEC, but in the country. I think he's an SEC player of the year candidate. Uh, yeah. I love everything uh, that he does. Um, on the defensive end, I think he's the best defensive guard in the SEC. Uh, he can score at a high level, and I think you'll see that uh, with, with Herb Jones and John Petty and Alex Reese gone, they're going to need more scoring. Keon Ellis is more than capable of that. Uh, you saw when the preseason SEC teams were announced, his teammates say, uh, you know, on Twitter and social media, what about Keon Ellis? Uh, they know that this guy is big time. He's an NBA player, in my opinion. I think he's going to have a huge year. And I, I kind of love the fact that. Uh, that that he's not getting the respect that that he absolutely deserves because uh, an angry Keon Ellis is really good for Alabama and he's going to uh, play that way and I think not that he cares about those things but but I think he's the kind of guy that thrives and plays with a chip on his shoulder and I think we're going to see that in a big way this year.
0: You know, I've called him and again I can I can see where somebody would consider this even an insult but I mean it in the most positive way possible he's almost a poor man's Latrell Sprewell to me he's got Latrell's defense there's no doubt to me he's probably not as good of a score as Spreewell was but I think that um man he's got he's got that tenacity you know when Spree hit his stride he he was just a thing and I think Keon is going to hit his stride this year and going back to Shackelford for a minute uh, my point was you know I think he averaged what 13 and a half points a game last year and I feel like this may be picking nits but i feel like it should have been more like 15 and a half 16 and i feel like he can get there this year it was just um you know i think he's he's going to have even more growth this year than he did from freshman to sophomore
1: well i yeah i mean he he had man i don't have his stats in front of me but but he he was around i mean 14 15 a game last year leading uh, score on the team leading returning score in the SEC had a huge year and if you told me he could duplicate his numbers from last year, I would take it. Uh, he had a great year. Big reason why Alabama won the SEC regular season tournament title uh, and advanced in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so I think he's going to have a, a really good year again. And uh, he, he, after flirting with transferring, um, he's back. He's been embraced by his teammates. And let me say this about, you know, I've, I've talked to, Alabama fans about, you know, why why would he want to transfer? I mean, man, he, he got all the shots he wanted. He's leading returning score and all these things. Why would he even consider it? You know, I, I think, you know, for Jaden and his family, um, you know, he wants to play in the NBA. And, and who who doesn't that that's at the level of a Jaden Shackelford or some of these guys that are some of your higher profile players. It, it wasn't a thing where he, he wanted more shots or anything like that. You know, I think that uh, the feedback he got was that, He, um, to play in the NBA, might have to change positions, might have to play more of a point guard role. And with J.D. Davison and and, uh, Javon Quinterly, those minutes would be limited at Alabama. But I think um, ultimately Nate Oates and his staff was able to convince him that with the style of play uh, that that Alabama is going to continue to play, uh, there are opportunities uh, to play that style. And, And Nate Oates has said, I heard him say this, even before he got to Alabama, if he had the opportunity to start five point guards, he would. Uh, he, he loves those skill sets, and and uh, Jaden Shackelford will be able to to develop those areas of his game uh, that he needs to improve in uh, to play at the next level. And lastly, let me say, and I completely agree with you, I gave you a hard time about Shackelford, I'm going to totally agree with you on Keon Ellis and that comparison to Latrell Sprewell. I think it's a great comparison. Uh, they're both ju- junior college guys. They're both um, coming into their senior year. Uh, the, the Really, the only people that are giving them the proper credit are the people that see them every day, uh, their teammates, their coaches. Uh, we knew uh, going into his senior year that Latrell Spreewell was probably the best player on the team, probably one of the best players in the SEC, and nobody was paying attention to him going into to his senior year, and and I, I think there's a lot of those same feelings around Keon Ellis going into this year. So that's a great comparison, uh, and I'm expecting all those guys to have a big year, and they're going to need to because as we've discussed, the schedule is tough, but they're ready for it. They've got the talent. I think they've got the desire. Should be a whole lot of fun this season.
0: Let, let me also say this one final thing about Shaq. If he averages 13 and a half points again this year. I think that will say more than his averaging thirteen point game, thirteen and a half points game for last year. Because when you add somebody like a J.D. Davidson, uh, a Bettieaco, and uh, improved offensive play from Keon Ellis, man, if he's doing that, Alabama's got to be averaging like a hundred points a game. I mean, there's there's no other way to look at that. <laughs> Brian, for the uh, final comment here, and I'm going to let you explain this. We got about uh, a few minutes here. I really enjoy your uh, and, and appreciate your Halloween trick-or-treater taking candy policy. If you would, please explain to people what it takes to get candy from the passing household. I hope you know what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, this is something we implemented a few years ago. Uh, And and I think it's a policy that I think most people listening uh, to this podcast should implement as well. And that is, you know, we kind of have a standard amount of candy that we're just going to give your general Uh, trick-or-treater. You know, if they're dressed up as a, you know, a cowboy or or Spider-Man, you know, you get a certain amount of candy. Now, if you show up in some sort of Alabama gear, you're going to get twice that. Uh, But then on the flip side, if you show up wearing Auburn gear, uh, we have raisins uh, for those kids, (laughs) and we give them little boxes of raisins. And early on last night, uh, we had a couple of sweet little girls dressed up in Cam Newton jerseys, and uh, you know they 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 got boxes of raisins, and uh, they they were disappointed. And and as I yelled at them as they were leaving the the yard, I I told them, and I think it's a great life lesson. And that is yes. that 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 candy, uh, it, it, it's a, it's a privilege, uh, not a right. So. You know, you need to think about that when you dress up and come to the Passing House wearing Auburn gear.
0: Did they say something that sounded like, let's go, Brian?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what was funny is, so three, three girls showed up, two in Cam Newton uh, Auburn jerseys and one in an Alabama jersey. And, and it, I don't think it was so much that the girls got raisins that they were disappointed, and, and they were, don't get me wrong, Raisins are awful, um, so you know they were disappointed in that. But when they saw me put half of the bucket uh, of, uh, and we we give out really good candy, into the Alabama uh, girl that had the Alabama jersey on, I mean she got so, she got all theirs and then some. Uh, the disappointment on those little little Cam Newton faces were just
0: priceless. Well, it made it all worth it. Right? <laughs> it made the penance worth it, right? It's um, what the
1: holiday's all about: making <laughs> Auburn fans feel bad.
0: <laughs> you know, uh, my grandfather was a dentist back in the day. Um, and when when I was a little boy and we'd go over to his house, he would give everybody little tiny tubes of toothpaste. And the look on all my friends' faces, I always hated going over there. I mean, I love my grandfather. He was the best human being on the planet, except for this one thing. I mean, it, and it sort of, it, it's like the yin and yang. He had to do this this badly he had to be this bad at halloween to make up for all the nice stuff he always did every other day of the week of a year and um my friends always looked at him like hey we would rather just get like an apple with a razor blade in it or something can you, can you do that instead of this two things because this is awful um but anyway i, I appreciate your uh, your your halloween policy i think it's dead on i think that there's something that this family will adopt from this point forward and um, I hope it catches on. It really needs to. That's that's pretty good stuff. Listen, I
1: I, I heard uh, I got a couple of texts from some fathers that were just kind of the the neighborhood buzz on the street was, uh, you know, make sure to if you if you if you say roll tide instead of trick or treat, you may get more candy. I mean, there was there was a legitimate buzz about what was going on at our house, and and I you know I'm not going to lie to you, Luke, I, I was pretty proud of that.
0: Yeah, and uh, there, just the only thing that I could think that possibly would top that, there was a guy in my hometown of Alexander City that uh, took a Facebook picture of what he had out for kids, and it was a bowl of cigarettes. He said, please only take one, and do not take <laughs> the lighter. He had one lighter out. <laughs> so <laughs> I know, that, was, uh, that was very Tallapoosa County of him. I appreciated that. But uh, Brian? Yeah, no, that's right? awesome. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, buddy, and can't wait to get the season kicked off. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon, man. Oh, right, appreciate
1: you having me.